All right, y'all, welcome back. Let's get back to it. Hard Knocks Podcast, another episode. I should come up with like an intro name or intro music. Da-da-da, da-da-da. That's ESPNs. I might get sued if I do that, so let me go ahead and stay away from that. But if anybody got any ideas, you come up with some kind of beat, some kind of instrument to go along with my podcast, send it to me, okay? Nah, no, uh, no pop music, though. I'm not a fan of pop music. But anyway, today we're going to be talking about, what are we talking about? Mental resilience, all right? An understanding of what mental resilience is and what it is not, like, you know what I mean? And what I mean by what it is not is what mentally tough is not, like what mentally tough shouldn't be type of thing, all right? So we're going to be talking about, like, a healthy form of, you know, mental resilience and then, you know, the quote-unquote fake, not fake, but um, cover-up mental toughness, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm excited for this one, mental health awareness month uh for both men and women you know what i mean i think mental health is a huge topic to consider and to definitely take serious as our world gets more complicated uh and more complex with so much information so much confusion so many options it gets tricky out there so having better mental mental health is is, is great so let's talk about that man so what exactly is mental resilience in my understanding and in life experience thus far being mentally tough being mentally strong, sorry, comes down to having the ability to, to regulate and control your internal state and emotions independent of the conditions of the external world. So, for example, what I mean by that is just like I said earlier, you live in a world with a lot of options, a lot of information, shit, social media. That's the first one, right? We always talk about that. I think people don't understand the power and influence that social media truly has. For the first time in history, you have access to so many people's lives. And what's more tricky is you have access to what people want you to know about their lives. You get what I'm saying? Real tricky. But perception is reality. So what happens is if people are putting out a perception that's false, that becomes a reality to some people. It gets real confusing. I hope you follow me on that one. But even away from that, right, you can't control, for the most part, you can't control what happens on the outside world, external world, right? The physical world outside of you. Stuff happening around you. You don't have too much control over that. What you do have is control of your internal state. And people get mixed up or people get taken control over when external conditions dictate how they feel inside. That is probably the biggest form of slavery, in my opinion. When external things that you don't have control over end up controlling your internal world and how you feel and think inside. So... In a deeper example, what I'm getting at is, let's say, an extreme. I'm, I'm giving an extreme example, and then we'll give, like, a medium and then a loose example. For Somebody, you're driving in the traffic, somebody hits you from behind, right? There's a couple ways you can react, okay? Obviously, that's not anything that anybody wants. It's inconvenient. You know, money's involved. You know, hopefully nobody gets hurt. But I'm using an extreme example to drive home the message. You had no control over somebody rear-ending you. But you do have control over how you react to it. And then that's where that independence and that form of mental health and resilience comes in. How do you react to situations? But again, that was extreme. Let's take it back a couple. Let's say you're pursuing something, you're pursuing somebody, pursuing a goal, and it's not working out how you want. How it's not working out are the conditions of the external. How you react to it is the internal. Successful people manage to keep the internal straight while the external stuff goes haywire. You know what I'm saying? And that allows people not to quit on their pursuits. 
but let me not go rambling. Moving on. So, you know, life happens. There's no doubt about that. So many things happen that are out of control. And I put out of our control in quotation marks. If there was a video, you could see me put in quotation marks. This is for a reason. I truly believe that most of the things that happen to us, we are responsible. And here's what I mean. So earlier I said that, you know, you got external conditions, blah, 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 that you aren't in control of. To a certain extent, my personal belief and what I understand, even in some areas of quantum physics, it shows that life is almost works in, in a damn near dominoes effect. And here's what I mean. Some choices and reactions you make towards the world around you lead you into certain situations and circumstances. These situations and circumstances lead you to more things that you have to react to and the cycle repeats. Let me repeat that again. It's a dominoes effect where certain choices and reactions you make towards the world around you that external lead you to certain situations and circumstances. These situations and circumstances, they lead you to more things you have to react to and the cycle repeats. It's like a feedback feedback loop that actually has research that's supported by quantum physics. So here's what I mean by that. Okay. I'm taking a thing that takes a while to develop and then kind of explain it in 30 seconds. Okay. Let's say you are working on a project at work or at school and, you know, you're depending on other people's, you, you're on a team. Or maybe you're leading a team and you're depending on other people to play their parts. You assign a role to somebody to execute and you had a deadline. They didn't execute for whatever reason, right? How you react to that person dictates what that person is going to act, end up doing or reacting back to your leadership, right? If you crack down on them in a you know mean way, in an unconstructive criticism, keyword unconstructive, you know, shitting on them, the chances that project continue to develop in the right direction are going to dwindle. But if you have uh, constructive criticism, support, and you just have a more neutral step, uh, point of view where you're willing to understand and help facilitate your team, right, that's an internal decision independent of your external circumstances, your chances of continuing for success increase, right? So this is the circumstances leading to more situations. How you react to a certain situation, be it good or bad, tends to then lead to the next situation because you got a choice. You feel me? A or B. And so that's how cycles end up. So, for example, I'll give a good one, toxic relationships. You have a choice when it comes to those things. If somebody that you're with exudes toxic behavior and you return that toxic behavior back, it's a cycle, right? So the circumstance you found yourself in was toxicity. You react back with more toxic behavior, whether that toxic behavior is being passive aggressive or manipulating your way into getting your things done, boom. Or you can go a different route. You can react in a different way and either leave the relationship or have compassion and guide that person out of their toxic behaviors towards you, right? These were your choices, your internal reaction, and they have a different outcome on the external world. That's why people need to take more responsibility, you know what I'm saying, for the things that happen in their lives. Because... Not even in a metaphysics way or a law of attraction kind of thing. But at the end of the day, on a, from a standpoint of physics, you do attract a lot of your circumstances from the way you think and behave. So the cycle can repeat and develop in a very positive way depending on your mental and internal state. Or it can repeat in a very negative, non-developing way. Also depending on your internal state. All right? Going back to the example of toxic relationships. When you find yourself in something toxic, whether it's a relationship, work situation, whether it's with yourself, you have choices. 
on how you're going to react to it internally, whether that's going to repeat or we're going to develop and learn from it. So your ability to regulate your internal state in order to improve and better manage external um, conditions is a trait of mental resilience. Okay. So let's keep this short and very clear. I want to definitely define what mental toughness is not. All right, so we got this mental resilience and then the mental toughness was praised in today's world. You want to definitely make a difference between the two of them. There's a saying by Sigmund Ford that says, unexpressed emotions will never die. They are buried alive and will come back later in ugly ways. Meaning that, you know, emotions that you suppress, they don't go away. They'll always come back. So a part of mental resilience is knowing how to process those emotions. And what's not mental toughness is not pretending as if everything is okay when it's not. Remaining silent while you suffer inside. It's not overworking yourself to hide the unstable internal internal estate. We've all been there. Either you dedicate too many hours in the gym, dedicate too many hours at school, dedicate too many hours at work in order to compensate for other things not working out in your life. Everybody's been there. It becomes a nightmare. You know what I'm saying? Or if it's not one of those three options, you either abuse something like a drug, whether it's weed, alcohol, whatever it is. If it's not weed, alcohol, you might abuse someone else. You might abuse yourself. All these things happen in a way of making up things, making up for emotions that are not dealt with inside. And these emotions can run deep. They can come from childhood trauma, adult, things that you're not even aware of. right? But we're not about to get into this. That's beyond the scope of this um, podcast. What I'm gonna foreshadow what I'm gonna get to early is I'm laying down the kind of foundation of what I'm wanna talk about. I'm trying to relay the importance of mental health. And then I'm going to give you daily practices later on that can improve your ability to practice better mental resilience, health habits, whatever you want to call it. Simple. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, people tend to rely on bad slash slash, um, subpar coping mechanisms when it comes to their mental health, especially emotions. That's what I just said before, right? People cope by different ways, you know, surrounding themselves with friends, social life, scrolling on social media, working a lot, not working, couch potato, TV, so many things to distract themselves. (coughs) Excuse me. And the the dangerous part about about it is we, we live in a world of a lot of abundance um today unlike 50 years ago where there was not too many options in today's world you can (laughs) you can hide away from your problems through again social media um there's so many options of things to do on the weekends so many side hustles you can get into just to kind of keep you distracted from the things that's really going on inside of you you know what i mean and we have a lot of things that we can then take part in they give us an illusion as if everything's okay. You get what I'm saying? So that's 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 why it's important in creating a space of developing that. So going on from that, here's another reason why uh, mental health and uh, mental resilience becomes extremely important. Creating a space between your emotions and your thoughts is the foundation for a better mental health. And I keep saying mental health. I'll stop saying that. But that is, this is what we're talking about in this episode. A situation or circumstances comes up, be it good or bad. You start feeling certain emotions, then those emotions trigger certain thoughts. Those thoughts lead to certain actions. That right there is a lack of control. 
Now, I'm going to repeat that again. A situation comes up, be it good or bad. You start feeling emotions. Those emotions trigger thoughts, thoughts, actions. And repeat, be it good or bad. There's some people that get manipulated by really good situations. Something good happens, they hang off the rafters, they celebrate too much, they get caught up in the hype. But that moment is temporary. It's going to go away. But then you have to be left to come back to baseline. Or fast things happen. And they take people down into the ditches, down into the valley, where they can't come up because they're so manipulated by the circumstances. This is a very, very, very vulnerable place to live. What's the solution? The solution is creating space between your emotions and your feel and your thoughts. All right. When an emotion enters, circumstance happens. Something, something, something happens in life, right? Be good or bad. You feel the emotion, but there's an ability with your, uh, what's called your prefrontal cortex, that's the front of your brain, that can intervene and be like, all right, there's this feeling. Where's this feeling coming from? Where's this emotion coming from? What's causing it? Okay, all right, that's fine. And But you choose a different route. You independently choose your thoughts separate from the emotion. You choose the next thought upon assessing and analyzing, okay, with this situation happening, I feel like this, but what's the best way forward? You get what I'm saying? Instead of situation, emotion, fuck it. I'm just going to feel this way because this will happen. No, 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 no. X happened. You felt Y, but you chose Z. Make sense? So how this is how you do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about how this is what you need to do, mental health, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to keep this short, under 20 minutes. 20-minute podcast, in and out. So here is how you create that space between emotion, thoughts, and then leading into action, which then buys you freedom, which this is what I call adulting 101, for sure, for sure. As you know, I love to give methods that people can use in order to achieve whatever I'm talking about, right? In this case, we're talking about a mental state that we've mentioned above. I'm not going to give any self-help books to read or any books on psychology, no motivational speech, like just get up and do it, whatever. I mean, yes, there's a time and place for all those things, but you cannot rely on self-help books, motivational speeches and such and such to get you through the day or to take you to another level of existence. What you can rely on are habits, the simple, boring stuff. And And that's another thing. I'm getting off topic, but that's another thing about social media as well is, you know, we you see the highlight reel of people's lives. People give a speech, you know, a little short little clip that's motivating. But at the end of the day, man, it's just habits. Your habitual thinking, your habitual behavior, everything that you do on a regular basis is then what leads to a better life. So here are the habits that are key, in my opinion, about four to five habits that are key. When it comes to creating mental health specifically, but uh, that space between emotions and thoughts. The first one you want to get together is sleep. Getting enough sleep is a no-brainer. I mean, when you talk about enhancing your performance and just becoming a better person overall, get sleep. Everybody's sleep varies. You know what I'm saying? Some people are good on five. Some people are good on six. Some people are good on this. But you got to get sleep. And also, you got to find a way to measure and assess your sleep if you got good quality sleep. Here's a couple ways. You can measure HRV. I'm not going to get into the depth of what HRV is, but if you are curious about that, shoot me a DM message, whatever, and I can walk you through that. I can use your HRV, that's your heart rate variability, or just Google it. 
Another one is you can clench your fist the moment you wake up and your alarm goes off. Clench your fist and see how hard you can clench your fist. The harder you can clench your fist, the better you slept. Another one is um, a CO2 tolerance test. And you can also just send me a message or just Google it. CO2 tolerance test. These are ways to kind of quantify how well you slept. You can use these things to kind of manipulate different variables. What time you go to sleep, what you do before sleep, what sleeping conditions, so that you can get an optimal sleep for you. But sleep is the biggest one. If you don't get sleep, none of this shit matters. And the reason why is because that's the time that your brain gets to chill out. Actually, no, no, no. It doesn't chill out, actually. In certain stages of just sleep, your brain is more active than it is in a waking state. But... Which is evidence showing that your brain is doing things as far as remembering, repairing, recovering for the next day. You know what I'm saying? So, for example, it's like when you when you when you working out, you do a set, a hard set, and then you rest. Blood's pumping, your heart rate's going, you're breathing, your body's doing things to get your muscles ready again for another workout. You know what I'm saying your body doesn't just shut off after you're done with the set. Your heart rate is sky high. Because your body's trying to prime yourself for another set. So you can think about that the same way. The activity that your brain is doing during sleep is priming you for another day. All right? Low sleep, bad sleep is associated with depression, anxiety, mortality, death, chronic diseases, all these, all kinds of things. All right? So just get your sleep together. Another key one is proper sunlight viewing habits or just proper light exposure habits. And what I mean by light, I'm talking about both sunlight and artificial. Your circadian rhythm is really dependent on your light exposure. And because we live in this world where we have so much artificial light and we stay up late and we do things, we got the freedom to do things independent of the sun, we've created havoc for ourselves. What's happening is that we're watching, we're getting exposed to sunlight at the wrong times, we're not getting exposed to sunlight at all. And then getting exposed to artificial light at the wrong times, which is confusing our bodies as to what time of day it is. And it's fucking up our sleep, right? So we're going back to that big one. The first one I mentioned was sleep. So a couple of sunlight and sun and light viewing behaviors you want to get together. Real quick. In the morning, the moment you wake up, you want to view as much sunlight as possible. Actual sunlight. Get out there. Go outside. View sunlight. Open the window. Get the sunlight hit. That triggers your body to release the hormones and everything that it needs to action for the day letting you know that's time to wake up the cortisol all that good stuff at night you want to reduce the amount of light artificial light you get exposed to please at least 30 minutes before bedtime so that your brain knows all right we're starting to wind down we're shutting down and the right hormones that are clutch for good sleep start to get released it's detrimental when at night 10 30 hits and you're blaring at a screen your body's getting confused it thinks it should be releasing some more melatonin and other hormones to get you to go to sleep but it's also getting stressed out and your brain is getting aroused when it's time to go to bed, which makes for poor quality of sleep, which just makes for a shitty mood the next day, which makes for shitty mental health, which then makes for a hard time of separating your emotions from your thoughts and then your actions. You see how it kind of going downhill real quick? So to quick, quickly solve an obstacle, let's say you do work late and you can't really help it. One thing you can do is review sunlight at the end of the day early evening, late afternoon. That's going to reduce the effects of sunlight later, of any light you're going to be exposed to later on in the day. So please, make sure you get your light viewing habits on point and go to sleep. Another way to increase your just your mental aptitude and your mental clarity is to increase your natural levels of dopamine. There's four ways. Cold showers are great. I mentioned before, and actually I talk about this in my HRV4 training for my clients, 
cold showers, according to the literature and according to Andrew Huberman, cold showers can release as much dopamine, which is a uh, neuromodulator chemical in your brain that is responsible for mood, motivation, drive, etc., etc., as much as cocaine and sex. But it's not a spike like cocaine and sex. It's a gradual increase over time after you take a cold shower. So cold showers are great. They're also great for building resilience. Because think about this. Dead in the winter, you turn the water cold, and you really want to jump out. But you choose to stay in, control your breath, and control your actions. That makes sense? So the cold shower is like mimicking an external environment that's uncomfortable. But you keep your internal environment composed, calm. That's the exact same as like other stressors in life, right? So you can take the cold showers as a stressor in life. So the stressor happens, you continue to maintain your composure, you keep pushing it on, go on with your day. Same thing with the cold shower. It was warm, everything was great. Expose yourself to cold water, it's uncomfortable, you don't like it, your heart increases, but you keep put, you stay put. That is the two benefits of that. Again, increases dopamine as well as mental resilience. Less social media. The thing about social media is not only is it distracting, blah, 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 people comparing each other, you're looking at false perceptions of other people. But the thing about it is that have you ever noticed yourself pick up your phone and go and open up Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat without you really thinking about it? You just find yourself on the app scrolling mindlessly? All right, it's because it's releasing dopamine. And so what happens is if you waste your dopamine, think about dopamine as a, as a tank of fuel and it does run out. And so if you waste it on things like social media and pointless things, you won't have too much left of it for you to function and um, do the things that you need to do. Another one is fermented foods. Um, a lot of people you know, talk about how the gut's the first brain or the second brain or whatever, but mood really does start in the gut. The better gut microbiome you have, the better gut health you have, the better mood. The better mood you have, the better you react to circumstances. The better mood you're in, the better you are at separating your emotions from your thoughts. Clutch, right? We mentioned that earlier. Breathing, oh man, breathing is clutch. Going back to that first thing I mentioned at HRV, breathing is one of the most underrated and least used tools that are clutch for any kind of mental health. So with breathing is, when you breathe in, it increases your heart rate. You breathe out, it decreases your heart rate. Creating a healthy breathing pattern or deliberately, you know, throughout the day, slowing down your breathing, you know, by you know, exaggerating the exhale or exaggerating the inhale, it can change you from an excited state to a calm state, from a calm state to an excited state. So using your breathing to manipulate your body's chemistry and your mind's chemistry is clutch. You see yourself in a shitty situation. People talk, you know, you heard about this all the time. All right, just breathe easy, breathe. There's so much truth behind that because when you start to breathe and calm yourself down, you relax, more blood goes to your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that's responsible for executive decision, decisions, and you can start to see the situation for what it is instead of being caught up in the moment, right? So breathing is really a clutch thing to do. There's a lot of apps for that. If you're curious about it, let me know. I'll send you the apps. Actually, I'll just tell you right now. One of the, one of the, the apps I use is called Breathe, Breathwork, Breathing Work, Breathwork, Breathwork, I think. Then the last one I want to talk about is journaling. All right, and I'm wrapping up the podcast now. But, but journaling is probably the best one. I talked about this on my story yesterday, and I gave this analogy. And if you're on the fence about journaling, think about it this way. You can think about journaling as putting your life 
however long you want to put it, for the day, for the month, for the year, whatever, on paper, words, right? You get to look at your life, <clears throat> your thoughts, your feelings, your circumstances on paper, on words, at a bird's eye view from the top looking down at it. And another clutch thing about it is you can then take an objective point of view. Once you've written it down, you can kind of detach yourself from what you've written down and look at it in a non-judgmental way. Keyword is non-judgmental. Because when you're looking at your life, circumstances, and emotions from a subjective situation, you tend to take all the things that's happening personal, whether it's your fault or you're blaming someone else. But if you just look at the situation that it's just a situation separate from you, you can get in and look at it from different points of view and see what options work best going forward when it, when it comes to a situation. But if you're looking at it from a subjective point of view and you're taking it all personal, it's going to be hard to see other options and opinions and situations. That's why people are able to give you advice on your own life better than sometimes you can see for yourself because they're not in your shoes. And there's an advantage to it because they can see other options that you can't see because you're emotionally caught up. But when you journal, it gives you the ability to slow down, put the emotions on paper, detach yourself from those emotions, and then see what is best to do. So then it allows you to then look at those emotions, thoughts, and feelings separate from yourself and then become tools that you can use. All right, cool. So situation that's like this happened, you're journaling. This is you journaling. I felt X, Y, and Z. Okay. But I would like to do A, B, and C. Okay. So what do I need to do so that I can reach A, B, and C? And then you create a game plan from that via journaling. But if you don't create a practice for yourself where you can't slow down and look at what you're going what you're going through from an objective point of view it become really hard to progress and you can also just kind of see and chart on how well you've just you're changing as an individual right because you're gonna be surprised say like for example you journal for a year or two you're gonna be surprised at what you wrote three months ago four months ago six months ago and you can see the pattern how you're growing or if you don't see a change Sometimes it, 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 it can be a reminder to be like, all right, we need to change something. We need to progress because I see a pattern over here. So you can think about journaling as keeping record of your finances, your mental finance, your emotional finances. Uh, you know, when you work out, people, if you're focused and you're committed, you've got like a log, a workout log where you track your weights and your workouts. The same thing, man. You track your emotions, you track your feelings, you track your thoughts, and you update them, right? So this is clutch, journaling. So let me summarize those three, those four things. Getting sleep, proper sunlight and light viewing habits, increasing your dopamine, and then journaling. All right, so that was three things. You know what I mean? And those three things are going back to the top of the podcast, what I talked about earlier. Mental resilience. Going back to what specifically it is, is creating a space between emotions and your thoughts. And then your thoughts leading to actions. Once you create space between emotions and thoughts, life will change. You will actually start to see over time that some of the things in your circumstances, in your life, that used to trigger certain emotions won't anymore. Because you're learning to put a space between the emotions and the thoughts. All right? Hopefully that was helpful. Tune in next week. We'll be working on some other work stuff. Different podcasts, different topic. I'm excited for that. If you like this podcast, do share, tell somebody, send it to somebody, post it on your social media if it was helpful for you. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good day, y'all.